Okay, guys, we're in Acts chapter 23, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to look at lesson 44. We're going to talk about Paul's defense before Felix. Now, there are 28 chapters in Acts. 28 chapters in Acts. The last seven to eight chapters deal with Paul's arrest in the Jerusalem temple and what happens afterwards. So that's a significant portion of the book of Acts dealing with Paul's defense. So we've already seen that he's tried to make a defense to the people in the temple, to the Jewish people in the temple, and the result was is they wanted to kill him. Okay? They wanted to kill him. They wanted him dead. The Romans had to take him out of there. And the reason why is because Paul said he was sent to the Gentiles with the message of the gospel. Okay? So they wanted him dead. So there was such hatred there. Last week we looked at Paul's defense before the Jewish council. Of course, the Roman commander wants to understand what in the world's going on, why why does everybody want this guy dead? He, it's, it's some kind of religious issue he doesn't understand, so he calls the council together. And when he calls the council together, it's, the deck's already stacked against Paul. They slap him from the very beginning to make him be silent. Paul then appeals to the Pharisee portion of the council, saying it's about his belief in the resurrection. That's why he's being persecuted. And another brouhaha takes place, and they get Paul out of there. Now there's a plot, remember? Forty guys say they're not going to eat anything until they kill Paul. Okay, so they skirt him out with 300 soldiers protecting him all the way to Caesarea. Two days' journey to Caesarea. So now we're at Caesarea. The procurator at this time is no longer Pilate. You're used to thinking of Pilate as the procurator. The procurator this time is a guy by the name of Felix. And so let me, let me just kind of explain to you who Felix is for a moment. He was actually born, his name was Antonius Claudius. That was his real name, okay? Antonius Claudius, he was a Greek. He was not Roman, he was Greek, okay? And he was made a free man. He used to be a slave. He used to be a slave. So I want you to understand, remember I told you most people in the empire were slaves. So Felix used to be a Greek slave. He was set free. He was made a freedman by Emperor, Cla Emperor Claudius. Sometime around, uh, somewhere in about A.D. 54, A.D. 53 or so. And the emperor gave him the name Felix. He and his brothers were the favorites of Claudius, and he was also became a favorite of Nero. So this is somebody who had special favor with the emperors. Now, as far as a ruler, what kind of a guy was he as far as a ruler? Felix was known for his cruelty and wielding power as a king with the mind of a slave. It's interesting. I was just reading through Proverbs this, the, I've been reading through Proverbs in my devotional time, and there is a Proverbs that talks about how terrible it is for, for someone who is a slave to become a king. And here's an example of that. He basically was very cruel because he ruled with the mind of a slave. Okay? He ruled with the mind of a slave. He married 
a, a, a lady by the name of Drusilla. What a wonderful, powerful name for a lady, right? Drusilla, okay? She was the sister of King Herod Agrippa II. Uh, because his wife was Jewish, he learned much of Jewish life and customs. So that's who he is. That's who he's appearing before. He's appearing before a guy who's cruel, who's in it for himself, a, favor, a favorite of the emperor, Nero, and who understands his wife is Jewish. Okay? So let's take a look at this, this situation. So look with me. First of all, chapter... 23, look with, notice with me verse 34 and 35. <clears throat> Remember, there was a letter sent with Paul, so notice what it says here. And when the gover governor had read it, he asked what province he was from, and when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers have come, and he commanded him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at what's going on here. First of all, after reading the commander's letter, the governor asked Paul which province he was from. So immediately he's going to say, okay, you're a Roman, what province are you from? He's wanting to establish, is this guy really a Roman citizen or is he just a Jew claiming to be a Roman? Okay, so Paul tells him he's from Cilicia. So upon hearing that Paul was from Cilicia... He decides to hear Paul when his accusers have come. So this is a normal thing. We're not going to, I'm not going to decide this until I hear what the accusations are. Okay? Bottom line, we're not going to decide this until I hear what the accusations are from your accusers. So think about this now. The accusers who were back in Jerusalem have to make that two-day journey to Caesarea to be able to accuse him. So he's going to stay there a while, okay? He's going to stay there a while. So, all right, so notice now with me, we're in chapter 1. Look with me at verses 1 to 9. Now, after five days, Ananias, the high priest, came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullius. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullius began his accu accusation saying, seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accept it always and in all places most noble Felix with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy the, a few words from us. We have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple. We seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander, Lyasus, came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you will ascertain all things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. Wow, what an oratory. So here we're going to talk about it. First of all, 
the accusers. After five days, the high priest, which is Annas, and the elders appeared with an orator named Tertullius. Now, okay, you might be asking, why in the world did they bring a guy who's an orator? Now, does everybody understand what an orator is? Who knows what an orator is? He's a speaker. He's gifted and actually has been trained in the art of oratory. What does that mean? The guy can talk really good. He's been trained in how to present things. Now, in that culture of that day, in that Roman culture, Romans put a lot of emphasis on somebody being able to speak properly. So in a way, an orator is almost like a lawyer today. If you're going to appear before the court, what kind of lawyer are you going to get? You're going to get a lawyer that knows how to what? Talk, right? Because he's got to convince the judge about whatever is going on. Are you going to get some guy that doesn't know what he's doing up there? Well, you hope not, right? You hope that you're not paying for a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. But you're going to get a lawyer that can really talk the talk, right? Well, this Tertullius was was a trained orator. In fact, this is the only time that we see him in the New Testament. It's actually the only time that we've ever heard of him. Nobody, There's no record of Tertullius anywhere else. Okay? Anywhere else. He was a professional advocate used by the Jewish leaders. Uh, he may have been a Roman himself, to be honest with you. He may have been Roman or Greek, and he was trained in the art of contemporary rhetoric. He's trained in rhetoric. What is rhetoric? Well, uh, folks, you ever watch the news and you watch the spin zone afterwards where they try to talk about what's happening in the news? You got one party saying this and and they give spin. Ever heard of spin? Y'all are dead today. Ever heard of spin? Okay. That's called, are you ready for it? The other term, the modern word is spin. The old word for it is rhetoric. Okay? It's called rhetoric. And he's been trained in spinning things. Okay? And notice how he spins things. Okay? Because here's how he, he starts off. First of all, he starts off in verses 2 to 4 by flattering Felix. If you're going to get anywhere with the supreme judge, here you begin by flattering him. So Tertullus began his presentation of the accusations against Paul by flattering him. By fla- think about that. If you're going to appear before the judge, oh, wonderful judge. That, that's not our system, but that's the way they were back then. Okay, You want to flatter the guy. And this is what is so ridiculous. Because I want you to stop for a moment. Think about it. Did the Jews in Palestine, in Israel at that time, like the Romans? Okay, let me say that again because nobody's stirring this morning. Did the Jews in Palestine like the Romans? No. Okay. They didn't like the Romans. Were they happy with Roman occupation? Did they want the Romans out of there? Yes. Okay, so this is, so when you, here's the the Jews appearing before the Roman procurator. They bring this orator with him. He starts out by flattering them. Here's what he says. He expressed thanksgiving for the peace and prosperity brought by Felix's foresight. 
Isn't that interesting? That I mean, if you're Felix, you've got to be laughing. Because they're starting out with flattery, and a lot of times with flattery, you say things that aren't necessarily true. We already talked about a guy who's cruel, who rules like a slave, who's now a king, and they're talking about, oh, wonderful Felix, you are so awesome, we have peace because of you, and we have prosperity because of your foresight as a ruler, you're just so wonderful. I mean, how's, there's got to be people laughing there. Probably not. Yeah, Mike, what were you going to ask? Yeah, it, what, what we're talking about here is politics, right? It, we're talking about politics. Basically, it's a political situation. They bring a guy to ease in politics. Now, here's what happens. Here's the accusation. He accused Paul of creating dissension among all the Jews as the leader of the Nazarenes. Okay, here's another term that is used, and I'm not talking about the denomination. Here's another term that's used to describe Christians. Christians are known as belonging to the sect of the Nazarenes. Why? Because Jesus was from Nazareth, and he was referred to as a what? Nazarene, okay? As a Nazarene. So he accused Paul of creating dissension among the Jews, all Jews, not just in Judea, but throughout the Roman world, he's, he's part of the problem, okay? Because probably what's happened is, is reports have been getting back to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem that there's this Jew named Paul who's, cre- who's, who's stirring up problems with the name of Jesus. He accused Paul of profaning the temple. What's that concerning? Well, remember, they accused Paul of bringing a Gentile into the chem- temple. It's not true. Not true at all. So they're not only accusing him of being involved by causing dissension because he's a part of the the Nazarenes, he's also saying that Paul profaned the temple. He stated that the Jews arrested Paul to try him before the Romans took him by force. Now, that's it's almost ironic. Read what it's being said here. Look, look at what it says. We, uh, we seized him, verse 6, and wanted to judge him according to our law. And is that true that they want to judge him? No, they were going to kill him right there. Now listen. But the commander, Lyasis, that's the Roman commander's name, came and with great violence took him out of our hands. So he's trying to say that the Romans were being very cruel to us. We were going to try him according to to the law, but you guys were being very mean and told us we had to appear before you here. There's a lot there that's not being told, like the 40 guys who want to kill him, do you know what I'm saying? All of that. So they were to appear... They were commanded to appear before Felix who would determine the facts of the case. So that's what this orator is saying. So it sounds like a really nice speech, isn't it? Okay? So the Jewish leaders agreed with Tertullus by affirming the facts of the case. So the Jewish leaders said, yeah, everything this guy's saying is true. Yeah, we agree with what he's saying, okay? We agree with what he's saying. So I want you to notice now how Paul defends himself. Look with me at verse 10 through 21. And we're going to see Paul's defense. 
Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that there is, that there, there is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. They neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogue or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I so worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offering to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with mob nor with Talmud, and they ought to have been, they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say that they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it is one statement which I cried out, standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. All right, so let's take a look here. Now, Paul, Paul, Paul's, I'm always impressed with Paul. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because he's obviously skilled and trained in speaking himself. So let's look at what he says. Paul's defense, he starts off and says this, because Felix understands as a judge of the nation, Paul will cheerfully give his defense. He's Basically, he starts off and says, hey, Felix, you've been a judge in our nation. You've been ruling our nation for a little bit of time. You understand the way things are. So he's starting off not by flattery. He's just giving the facts. Hey, you've been the ruler of us stiff-necked Jews for a long time. And you understand what we're like. So I cheerfully give my defense before you. You understand what's going on. And let's stop for a moment. What Paul's saying is true. He has been a ruler for a while. He's not only has been a ruler, but he's married to a Jew. So he understands Jewish culture. He understands the political scene. He understands how things operate there. He understands fully what's going on. Okay, so Paul starts off with a truthful statement. Paul points out that it had only been 12 days since he went to Jerusalem to worship. So stop. The defense before the people, the defense before the council, the trip to Caesarea, waiting for his accusers to show up. It's only been 12 days since he got seized in the temple. So Paul points out, look, there's not time here where people forget things or people leave things out or adding things in. He said it's fresh in everybody's mind what took place that day because it's only been 12 days. Okay? 12 days. He points out it's only been 12 days since he went to worship Okay, And he stresses that they did not find him creating a problem in the city and in the temple. Again, the fact. They didn't find him creating any kind of a problem. What was he doing? He was fulfilling his what? 
Nazarite vow and paying for others to fulfill their Nazarite vow, which is he went th- was going through a process of purification, several days of a process of purification concerning the Nazarite vow. So he says, look, they found me not creating a problem in the city or in the temple. He said, they cannot prove the things that they are accusing him of. That is a key statement here. Because here's the thing, even in their system, in the Jewish system and in the Roman system, you had to have more than just one person say. You had to have witnesses who would would be corroborated, who would say, yes, we saw Paul bring a Gentile into the temple. And he says, they don't have any witnesses. They're accusing me of something, and they have no facts to back up what what they're saying against me. And look, it's been 12 days. 12 days. They can't prove the things that they're accusing him of. In fact, Paul goes so far to say, look, the people who grabbed me and made the accusation that day, why aren't they here? Why is it just these leaders and this orator? Isn't that interesting? Why aren't the Jews who grabbed me, who said that I was profane, why aren't they here to testify? That's a pretty good argument, isn't it? Okay, so now he acknowledges that he worships God according to the way and believes in the resurrection. Now, I think it's interesting. The Jews refer to the Christians as a sect. Paul refers to it as a way of worshiping God. You see the difference? The Jews refer to them as a sect. What do you think that means when they refer to them as a sect? Yeah, it's kind of like a, uh, like, okay, do you realize that a sect is like, okay, the Mormons are a sect of Christianity. They don't believe what we believe. They call themselves Christians. Everybody knows Mormons call themselves Christians. And for the secular world, they believe that Mormons are Christians. But the fact of the matter is, they're not. They've taken Christianity and twisted it into something completely different. So we would call them a sect. Do you understand? So the Jews are calling Christianity a what? Sect. It's something completely different. Paul comes along and says, look... We're not a sect. We're worshiping God differently than they are. What does he mean? We recognize who God is. It's Jesus. He's the Messiah. Okay? He's the Messiah. So he admits, I'm part of the way. And I believe in the resurrection. That's why I'm being persecuted. Notice Paul is basically saying the issue isn't the issue of the temple. The issue is he's being persecuted by the Jews because he believes in what? The resurrection. Okay? The resurrection. So he was discovered in the temple by a mob worshiping God and not creating chaos. So again, he reiterates, I was simply in the temple worshiping and there was this crazy mob. They're the ones who created the ruckus, not me. So he expressed that he is being accused because of his stated belief in the resurrection. He said, that's what I'm here for. This is what this is, because I said before the council that I believed in the resurrection. And stop for a moment. That can be verified. Why? 
Because the Roman commander could say, yes, as soon as he said something about the resurrection, they all went nuts and crazy. Remember, we just saw that in the defense before the council. So Paul is establishing his innocence that can be what? Proved. Okay? Paul is establishing his innocence by, by, what it, but it, but by the fact of, that it can be proved. Now, <clears throat> look with me at verse 22 to 27, and we're going to see that the proceedings now are delayed. Look with me. Now, when Fer- Felix heard these things, having a more ec- accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision in your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might be rele- might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus su- succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. All right, so let's talk about this. Now we're going to see the issue of politics. Because it really isn't the issue of whether or not he truly is innocent. It's the issue of politics. Okay? There's a difference sometimes. Y'all get all worked up when you watch stuff on the news. It's not what's right when it comes to the news. It's what's political. Do you understand? What's political? And we see... And listen, let's stop for a moment. This happened 2,000 years ago. Has anything changed? It's just the way human beings operate. Okay, so let's look at this situation here. Okay? Let's, let's look at this situation. First of all, Felix ordered the proceedings delayed, and Paul held until the commander comes. Now look, here's what's going on. It says in the text, he had a more accurate knowledge of the way. What is he saying here? He, as a Roman, as a Greek Roman procreator, understood Christianity. He had some understanding of Christianity and what they believed. So he has already been exposed. So he orders Paul to continue to be, what, held, but with liberty now. He allows people to come and visit Paul. And notice, I think it's a key thing, if you look at the verse there, it says to be provided for. Because here's the thing, when you went to a Roman jail or a jail in that time period, they didn't give you three hots and a cot. You know what I'm saying? You you didn't get cared for in prison. If nobody brought you food, you would die in prison. But he's saying, okay, allow people to come and take care of him. Allow his friends to come and take care of him. So he decides, I'm going to delay until Lysias comes, my decision. In a private meeting, so he wants to hear more about this from Paul. So his Jewish wife, Drusilla, is there with him. And so they have a private meeting with Paul. So in a private meeting, 
Felix grew fearful as he and his wife heard Paul concerning the faith. Because look at what it says that Paul shared with them. Look at what it said. Verse 25, he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and notice the last thing that he talked to them about. The judgment to come. That would make you scared, wouldn't it? Especially if you're a Roman because you just believe that you're going to die and go to Hades and that's it. You don't believe that there's a judgment afterwards. Paul talked about living righteously, being self-controlled, and what? Hey, and you're going to give an account later for how you live your life. Now, let's stop for a moment. Why do you think Felix is scared when he hears that? What's that? He's not living right, and I already told you earlier, what kind of a king is he, or a ruler is he? Cruel. I mean, he used to be a what? A slave who's now a king, and he rules like a slave. He's a pretty cruel dude. Do you understand? They had the power of the sword. What does that mean? They were it. Tim, you tick me off. Take him out and kill him. That's what they would do. You know what I'm saying? Take, Rob, I don't like the way you're wearing your glasses. Beat him a few times. Did you know, he had that kind of power. Did you know what I'm saying? Okay, you're taking it. <laughs> Did you know what I'm saying? So, that's the kind of power that he... Rob, we're still friends, right? Tim, you still... We're okay, right? Okay, all right. All right. Now, the proceedings were delayed for two years as Felix hoped for a bribe from Paul. See, this is what the issue is. The issue isn't innocence. The issue is, what can I get out of this? So he drags it out. You know, the memory I have is this. That's how some, this still happens today. I remember when I was in Liberty University working on my undergraduate degree, I spent a summer in Kenya, East Africa with a missionary who's still there. And every week we would, he would get himself and go into a government office because at that time the Kenyan government would give churches free land to build churches. The president of Kenya wanted churches to have access to free land. But you had to go to a government office to get the land. So they had a piece of property and so he went to this official every week for years. Every week for years to talk about the paperwork to get this land for the church, okay? And I said to him, why do you go every week? He said, well, because I'm wearing the guy down. And eventually he did. Eventually they did get it. But I said, does it really take this long? He said it would go quicker if I paid the bribe, if I gave him, and they call it in Kenya, tea money. If I gave him tea money, it would go quicker. That's how it works. At a lot of places in the world, that's how it still works. Okay? That's how it still works as a bribe. And this is what we see happening here for two years. Two years. I mean, the guy probably already knows the decision. He's waiting for two years. Okay? Two years. Then I want you to understand, when you look at this, 
it would have gone on longer except that Felix got what? Replaced by Portius Festus. So next week, we're going to look at Paul's defense before Festus. Okay? He's got to go through the whole spiel again before Festus. And that's in chapter 25. So that's what we're going to look at next week.